All right. If we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. Uh, I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church plant as the lead pastor with my wife, Ebony. She's around here somewhere getting coffee. That beautiful, beautiful foxy lady. Um, along with the beautiful foxy Herrick Berga and Heather Berga. Uh, if we haven't met yet, we really would love to meet you guys. Um, Herrick talked about it a little bit, but uh, we're not like a church uh, that has gospel community. Um, it's okay. Don't feel weird, parents. You guys, kids are welcome and invited. Um, we're not just like a church that like has gospel communities, you know, like their events. We're a church of gospel communities, okay? Stay with me. The church is not a building. The church is not uh, something that you attend. It's not an event. Um, it's not a business. The church is the family of God, made up of people who relate to each other as brothers and sisters because we have this amazing uh, this, we can do experience this amazing reality of, of relating to God as Father. Okay? It informs all of our relationships. So the church, is, it's the family of God. In the same way that the church is not an event that you attend or a building, right? A gospel community is not an event. It's not, it, many of us grew up in the church in some way or have experienced the church in some way. It's not, it's not really like a small group. A small group is more kind of event-driven. A gospel community is a people that you belong to, and we have rhythms of life together. So if you, haven't, if you have any questions about that, I would love to talk to you. Herrick would love to talk to you. Heather, Ebony, anybody you see with the badge. Like, we exist to see people grow in following Jesus, and this is awesome. We, we live to worship Jesus on Sunday mornings, but gospel community, dare I say, is actually even more important. If we want to follow Jesus, that's what a disciple of Jesus is, someone who's following him, learning to enjoy him, obey him, and operate like him in every area. Like gospel community being known and loved by people who know and love God and can help you be known and loved by God and experience that is so vital, okay? So hear me say that. We would love to have you join us. The sign-up sheet will be back there all day, okay? So uh, we're jumping back into our series called Jesus Is this morning. Um, You can grab your Bible if you have one. And through this series, we've been going through the Gospel of John. Okay, John is this beautiful piece of Scripture, and it's really, it's written by this guy who's essentially best friends with Jesus. Okay, Jesus' is closest friend, and, and he says why he wrote um, this Gospel account, this eyewitness account of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And he says, in the, in the 21st chapter of John, he says, I'm writing this so that you'll believe that this guy Jesus is God in the flesh, this promised Savior, the Messiah. He wants us to believe that. And we've been talking about, or we, we titled this series, Jesus Is, because we want to continually examine Jesus. We want to, we want to continually examine everything that he is. Um, we're a church plant. We're an infant, like, baby. This is still forming. This, these relationships are still deepening. It's an exciting, amazing time, just like many of you guys have young babies. Um, it's an exciting and amazing time. But one of the best things that we can do is actually give ourselves over to this idea of examining Jesus because I'm convinced that the Bible teaches that what we believe actually influences and, and dare I say, determines our behavior. What we believe about Jesus is honestly probably some of the most important things we can give our mind and our time to. What do we believe about Jesus? So that's what we're doing in this series for those of you guys that are new with us. Um, Yeah, John chapter 5 this morning. Go ahead, grab your Bibles. I'll be in the ESV translation this morning. I typically study out of the ESV. Um, But John chapter 5, while you're flipping there, um, I should have some water. My love, will you hand me my water? Thank you. Okay, so while you're flipping there, I want you to just take a moment, consider for a moment the various ways that you as a person express yourself. Think about it. How do you as a person express yourself, okay? Like think about maybe even like the vocabulary that you use, maybe the slang that you use. Um, Whenever we have international friends um, from all over the country come in, they always have like interesting uh, like, what would you call it? Like accents, you know? And it's funny because whenever I would go travel, I would always forget that I'm the guy with the accent, you know? Think about the words that you use, the slang that you use, maybe even sometimes if you're in different contexts with your accent. Think about the tone of, of your voice. Think about sometimes the volume of your voice. If you have young kids, sometimes it gets higher than we want it to. Think about your body language. Like right now, I'm rubbing my face. Why am I rubbing my face? 
Think about the clothes that you wear. Just all the different various ways that you express yourself. Um, How many of you guys watch any of those competitive dancing shows on TV? Go ahead, you can, you can, this is a safe place. You can, you can, you can, you can confess. Okay, I'm not a fan of the competitive dancing shows um, for a plethora of reasons, but um, this, was pro- this was like years ago, okay? Uh, I remember Ebony calls me into the room and she's like, hey, I want you to watch this. And I was like, I have no desire to watch this show. I'm sorry. And she's like, trust me, I, you just need to see this. She calls me in the room and and, and what's happening is there's going to be these, this, this, these two people and they're about to do this, this routine. And like I said, I have zero desire to watch this. And what they were doing was it, was, it was this dance that they had choreographed, but it was inspired by, I believe it was one of the dancers, their battle with addiction. So you had one of the dancers that was sort of like uh, depicting the, the addict, right? Tracking with me? And the other dancer was depicting like the object of the addiction. And I'm just like, okay, this is going to be so stupid. <laughs> but I love my wife. And, you know, it, she, she shows me this dance. And I'm watching it. And it's, you know, it's like three minutes long. And by the end of the dance, like, you know, let me just say this. People are jumping around. They're moving around. There's like music playing, right? By the end of the dance, I'm like practically crying. And I'm kind of, I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little freaked out because I'm like, I didn't want to see this. What just happened? Now I'm crying. These people are flailing and doing these things on stage. But something in me, like I have a lump in my throat. Something in me is like, is happening. Do you know what I'm saying? I had this like emotional response to this dance that I saw on TV. And the reason I had this emotional response wasn't because people were just kind of moving their bodies to music. It wasn't as much like what they did as much as how they did it. Their expression through dance was powerful. It it affected me. Guys, the expression, this idea of expression, it's not only what you do, it's also how you do it. It's, the both, it's both the what and the how, okay? So today, one of the things, one of the main things that we're going to talk about is what the Bible teaches us about expression through the person of Jesus, okay? So, John chapter 5. Hopefully you're there by now. Before I jump into this, Um, We're going to be verses 30 through 36 in John chapter 5. Before I read these, I want to pray for us, okay? Will you join me in prayer? God, thank you that you're with us. Uh, You're present now. And you're holy. But you're gracious. And you're merciful. Uh, my prayer for us right now, Lord, is that you would um, you'd teach us, you'd show us, you'd start to get our, our, our brains thinking about how we express ourselves, you'd start to draw our attention to Jesus, Holy Spirit. I ask you to minimize distractions. I pray that I, would be, I wouldn't be a distraction this morning. Um, I really want you to, um, I really want you, I don't want to get in the way of what you want to do. Um, So would you kind of hijack my mouth Um, if anything that I say or do gets in the way of of what you want to accomplish in the hearts and the minds of your people, I pray that you'd you'd keep me from it. I want to honor these precious people. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Amen. Okay, so John chapter 5, starting in verse 30, really quick. We're kind of picking up from last week. This is like a conversation that Jesus is having with these religious Jewish people, okay? Um, he, every word that we're going to read today is, is coming out of the mouth of Jesus, okay? If you were with us last week, we kind of did the, uh, a certain portion of this conversation. We're doing another portion today. But just to kind of refresh your memory, Jesus is talking to these religious Jews, Okay, And these religious Jews, they were upset with Jesus. They weren't so much upset with what Jesus was doing, but rather how he was doing it. Okay, So Jesus was like healing people. Great, right? They weren't so much upset that he's healing people, but he was healing them on the Sabbath. 
Okay, that violated some of their religious, uh, their religious rules. Okay, he was, he was, Jesus was doing things that the promised Savior was said to do. Okay, all the prophecies in the Old Testament, the promised Savior, the Messiah, he was going to do these certain things. Jesus is doing those things. But he's also claiming to be equal with God while he does them. They're not, just upset, they're not really upset with what he's doing. They're, they're upset with how he's doing it, okay? They're pretty upset. So starting here in chap, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 5, verse 30, I'm going to read through verse 36, okay? Follow along with me. The words will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Verse 30, this is Jesus talking. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 31. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Here, this is who he's talking about here in verse 33. You sent to John. That's not John, the apostle who wrote this, John the Baptist, okay? The forerunner of Jesus, the one that was proclaiming that come before the Messiah. You, You sent to John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He, John the Baptist, was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Okay. So this morning, if you're taking notes, um, you can use the app. I think there's a notes feature on the app. But either way, you're taking notes. We're talking about two things today, okay? The first is this. We're going to talk about the strength of Jesus' power. And the second thing is we're going to talk about the effects of Jesus' work. So the strength of Jesus' power and the effects of Jesus' work. Let's jump in. The strength of Jesus' power. Okay, look back at verse 30 here. Okay, this passage, it starts out with Jesus saying this, that he can do nothing on his own. Nothing. Think about that. Like, do you realize how remarkable what Jesus is saying here is? Okay, the Bible, it tells us that Jesus is God in the flesh. Like, that, that the all-powerful God of the universe, he's the, he's the all-powerful God of the universe in the form of a man. Like, if you've spent any time reading the Bible, you know there are like tons of references to God's power in the scriptures. Let me, let me read three of them to you really quickly here, okay? Uh, Psalm 147, verses four through five. He, God, determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. There's that word. His understanding is beyond measure. Okay, another one. Jeremiah chapter five, verse 12. It is he, God, who made the earth by his what? Power. Who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. Okay, let's jump into the New Testament here. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Okay, listen to this. He, the he there is Jesus, God in the form of man. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. You ever seen something radiate? Maybe it's like heat, maybe it radiates heat, or maybe you've seen like a spectacular fireworks show. Just you ever seen something radiate? It's captivatingly radiant. This picture, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. And listen to this. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his what? Power. God's God's powerful. We know the scripture is God's holy. The word holy means he's like, he's in a league of his own. There's nobody like him. There's nothing like him. His power is unmatched. Yet, Jesus says in verse 30 30, that he, God in the flesh, all-powerful God, he can do nothing on his own. I want to paint the picture. I want to be very clear. God in the flesh with limitless, matchless power can do nothing on his own. Like, think about that. 
You see, one of the most beautiful things about Jesus, it isn't so much that he has this unmatched, limitless power, it's how he uses it. It's how he expresses it. Okay, let's keep reading here in verse 30. We already read, I can do nothing on my own. Look back. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, listen to this, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, so friends, here's what I want you to see. Okay, I want you to see how Jesus expresses his power. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand what I want for you? I want you to see how he expresses this limitless, unmatched power, okay? And unless you look closely, you'll miss it. Jesus, all-knowing, all-powerful God of the universe, expresses his power not by exercising control or forcing his way. He expresses his power by submitting to the will of God the Father exclusively. Now, that could sound at first like the exact opposite of powerful. You know, like doing someone else's will. Like, isn't that the opposite? Like, usually the powerful are the ones who are... But listen to me. Give it a try. Try. Like, I I dare you. See how long you can last only doing what someone else wants you to do. Only giving yourself over to accomplishing somebody else's will. Um, I love my wife. I adore her. There is no one else on the planet that I care for more, desire more, treasure more than her. I can't even do this in my marriage. I, I, I fail at regularly, I regularly fail at like, at, at not inserting myself and not, not caring more about my will than, than hers. And again, we're fallible, you know, fallen sinful people, so our wills are imperfect at best. But I treasure her, and I can't even do this in my marriage. Because the truth is, no matter how hard you and I try, you and I wouldn't last a week at giving ourselves over exclusively to someone else's will. Are you tracking with me? That's powerful. You and I can't do it. We lack that power in and of ourselves. But Jesus, he expresses his unmatched power by denying himself. Like, consider this. Are you you following me with this? Give me an amen. I need you to talk. Yes, you, you really are. This is important. You have to understand this. He expresses his unmatched power by denying himself, by submitting to the will of God the Father, not just for a week, not just for a month, but for an entire lifetime. Christian in the room. How often do you find yourself actually denying yourself? It's like choosing the will of another over your will. The reason I ask you that is because this was a major characteristic of Jesus' life. Is it a major characteristic of yours? For me, it's not. I consistently find myself, in God's grace, he reveals it to me, not to condemn me, but to, to convict me, to free me, from living a, to free me from living that way. But I find myself consistently, like, dude, the other night, like last night, I'll just be, I'll then confess to you last night. Last night, I justified not helping my wife get the, get the kids down to sleep because I was tired and I felt like I deserved to sit on the couch and chill. Like, I chose my will over what God would have me to do and serve my family and lay my life down for my wife and my kids. And that's a silly example, I know. But like, I literally, my, my Ebony like cared for me last night and was gracious with me. But like, it, I had this thought, I'm like, even as much as I love her, as much as I love my girls, like, I'm, I have this continual pattern in my life of choosing me over others and choosing my will over God's. Like, all the time. I'm so, I'm so unlike Jesus. What about you? Let's keep moving. These verses, they tell us more about what Jesus is submitting to, okay? In verse 36, Jesus refers to the works that the Father has given him to accomplish, okay? So this is specifically what Jesus is submitting to, 
Okay, he talks about, I only do the will of the Father. I don't do my will. And, and the Father describes that he has these works, these specific works that the Father has given to Jesus to accomplish. Okay, let's, that leads me to my second point. Let's talk about it. The effects of Jesus' work. So, for starters, what are these works? What are these works that the Father has given to Jesus for him to accomplish? Now, if you've been journeying with us in this series through John, we've talked about a lot of this, right? The entire gospel of John is about how Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the, the promised Savior, okay? And we've talked about how there are over 400 prophecies in the, about the Messiah in the Old Testament. Think about that for just a second. 400's a lot. 400 specific things that are foretelling what the promised Messiah essentially would do. 400 of them, okay? So hear me say this. Part of the works that the Father has given to Jesus to accomplish are fulfilling every single one of those, pro- of those prophecies. All 400 of them. So Jesus, part of his, uh, you know, him, him obeying the will of the Father throughout his life is to obey every single one of those prophecies. If he doesn't obey every single one of those prophecies, if he doesn't fulfill every single one of those prophecies, he's a fraud. He's not the actual Messiah because the Messiah was prophesied to X, Y, Z. You following me? No, you're not. Yes? yes? Great. Cool. Wonderful. So part of that includes living a perfect, completely sinless life. And the climax, going to the cross as an innocent man for my sins. For your sins. Like, if you've been around Christianity for any length of time, like this isn't new to you, I know that, okay? But there's something else here that you need to see about the work the Father gave Jesus to accomplish. Um, let me say it this way. One of the core beliefs of Christianity is that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Okay, that might sound like those are contradicting terms, but hear me out, okay? This idea that, God, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Um, for the sake of time, I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase some of the epistles. But either way, Colossians chapter one, it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Think about that. We, we talk about how he's the radiance of the very nature of God, right? But he, he's, he's the image of the invisible God. So uh, he, is, he, is, he is in the likeness of God and the likeness of man, but he helps us understand what God is like. He's the image of the invisible God. It's been said that if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Why? Because he's the image of that invisible God. You tracking with me? Okay, good. Uh, The second chapter of Colossians, the very next chapter, Paul writes this. He says, For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So the fullness of who God is dwells in the person of Jesus. Okay? The second chapter of Philippians tells us that God, he emptied himself and he became a man. What that means is, is that fully God becomes a man. He, he, he's no less fully God, but he takes on human limitations. Okay, God's, you've heard it said God's omnipresent. He's present everywhere, right? When God becomes a man, Jesus can't be 10 places at once. He takes on human limitations, but he's, not, he's no less fully God. But in his infinite wisdom and in, in his plan to redeem humanity, he takes on flesh. He takes on these human limitations. So fully God and fully man. Here's what I want you to see. Part of God's agenda in becoming a man was to show us what it looks like to be fully human. Um, <clears throat> I'm not the most athletic guy in the world. But I grew up playing sports. I told you guys I was going to tell a story about this. Uh, so I, I grew up playing sports, um, and I played basketball growing up. I loved basketball. Um, but my, my strongest sport, my, the sport I enjoyed the most, especially in high school, was water polo. Um, anybody familiar with water polo? You guys are very quiet this morning. This is so weird. Yeah? Okay. It, it, water polo is basically like MMA and soccer with your hands in, in the water. Uh, it's a fantastic sport. Um, I was a decently strong swimmer. I wasn't the best swimmer, but I, I, was, I was strong strong enough in the water to, to play water polo at a decent level. And 
And one year I'm playing water polo and the coach said, hey, those of you guys that aren't on the swim team, you should join the swim team so that you can get conditioned for water polo and kind of in, and strengthen yourself in the water. And I remember thinking like, ah, I'm not really into swimming that much, although I really enjoy water polo. So, but I, my coach is asking me to do this. I should probably do this. So I, I joined the swim team. And those of you guys that are familiar with competitive swimming, uh, you know, like we would have these meets, right? And this is way back in the day when there was like, one high school in each of the cities of the valley. There was like one high school in Temecula, one high school in Marietta, one, or maybe there's two in Elsinore, but uh, either way, there, was, there wasn't as many high schools, right? And I remember my very, very first swim meet ever was at Hemet High School in Hemet, okay? So yeah, there we go. <clears throat> so we, we get on the bus, we drive to Hemet, we go to the high school, and I'm thinking like, I don't really know what to expect, I just know I need to swim faster than the people in the pool with me. And... I'm not technically skilled. I'm just the guy who enjoyed playing water polo that now needs to develop, right? So either way, um, if you're familiar, what happens is is the coach, um, when we arrived, the coach would post the lineup, okay? And what the lineup was, was it was basically who was going to race which races. So you have different strokes, you have different lengths, um, you have like all these different races, right? And he would fill out the lineup, who's going to do what? And I, I didn't really think that much of it. And so if you're familiar with competitive swimming, you know, there's basically like four main strokes if you ever watch the Olympics, right? You have freestyle, which is the one that we would all kind of know what to do, right? I did that in water polo. I did that growing up. No problem. I got that. Easy. Fine. I was actually pretty decent at that. Backstroke. Again, another one that you do playing water polo. That's where you kind of go back and you're kicking your feet. You're tracking with me. Don't make me look like an idiot like I'm in the Matrix. <laughs> I don't want... Backstroke. You guys know backstroke, okay? That one, got it down, no problem. The flip turns a little weird, but I can figure that out, okay? Backstroke, no problem. Breaststroke, you guys know what that is. That's the one where the guy kind of pops up out of the water, you know, and does this move, and they breathe. Okay, that's the breaststroke. The fourth and final stroke is what's called the butterfly. <laughs> it's coming, Jules. For those of you familiar with the butterfly, I was not familiar with the butterfly. (laughs) Completely foreign to me. I'd seen people do it. I had never tried it. It was completely bizarre to me, okay? So my first ever swim meet, I go and I look at the lineup. And for the 100-meter butterfly, it says Tom Logue. And the thought goes through my brain, I don't know how to swim that stroke. And I have to swim it in about 20 minutes. And if you're not familiar with the lengths, you know, 100 meter, it's basically um, down, back, down, back. Okay, so like four lengths of the pool. Might not sound like a lot, <laughs> but it's, it's intense. So the thought goes through my brain, I need to figure out how to do the butterfly in 20 minutes or I need to hide in the bathroom when the race comes and not look like an idiot. <clears throat> And I'm not going to lie, I seriously considered staying in the bathroom. And I thought, I was like, no, like, I'm not going to wuss out. Like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm here. Like, let's, come on. So I get in the pool and I'm kind of like watching other people warm up. And I'm like, okay, how do you do the butterfly? Like, it's just kind of, it's the one where you, this move, you know, like you, they, and they, you know what I'm talking, you've seen it? You've seen it? Yeah. Okay, great. That's the butterfly. So I'm warming up. I'm trying to figure this thing out. It's time for the race. I decide I'm going to be, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to do this. I get in the pool and I'm like trying to, you know, it goes and the race starts and I'm kind of doing it and I'm kind of keeping up with people and I'm like, okay, I think I could do this. Like I'm kind of growing in some confidence, right? And as the race goes on, I'm getting really tired. So by the time I hit the first length, I'm like kind of with the pack. And then by the end of the second length, not even halfway through the race, I'm like flailing. (laughs) I'm flailing like a dead fish that's trying to move across the water. I'm so far behind everyone. And I have half of the race to go. And halfway through, 
you know, you, you hit the wall, and usually people hit the wall fast, and they just keep going. I hit the wall, I look up, and everyone's, like, way ahead. And the thought goes through my brain again, do I stop? And I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm already doing this. I'm not going to stop. I look like an idiot. I'm not going to look like more of an idiot. So I keep going. <clears throat> and if you're familiar with competitive swimming, usually what happens is when the racers finish the race, they don't just get right out of the pool. They like, it's like sportsmanship. You know, they congratulate the winner and you like, because you're all on the wall here, you know, and you like look down like, hey, yeah, good job. Da, 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 da. You look at your, you get your time and stuff and you wait. <laughs> By the time I finish the race, like I hit the race and it was like quiet. The whole place is looking at this guy who can't swim fly, who just tried to swim fly, butterfly. The pool's empty. All the swimmers are like, they've gotten out. They've been tired of waiting for me. <laughs> Like the, 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 the race needed, like the whole meet needed to continue and I'm the guy who's keeping it going. It was a mess, okay? Everyone's out of, the pool, out of the pool. I was last place by like minutes. The race should be over in like two minutes. Like it was bad, guys. And the reason I tell you this embarrassing story, eventually I learned how to do the stroke. Eventually, I, I learned how to do it. But for that first race, what I did was I just tried to do what I saw other people doing. Like, it, it was me trying to figure it out on my own, with my own understanding, during the race. And honestly, it was a colossal failure. It was, it was really bad. So many of us we think that we know how to be human. We think that we know how to swim the stroke. But what we're really doing is we're just kind of watching and seeing what other people do or, or, or what comes natural, you know, what feels good. But the truth is that we don't know how to swim the stroke. God the Father, he gave Jesus specific works to accomplish and part of that was showing us how to actually swim the stroke, how to actually be human, like what that actually means. And not just to do what comes natural or to what you see as somebody else doing or to what feels good. If you want to get yourself into trouble, just do what feels good. So, some of you can follow where I'm going here. Do you see this? Do you see what Jesus is showing us here in this passage? Jesus, the, the most human person ever. Remember, fully God, but fully man. He's the most human who's ever lived. He shows us the key to living a fully human life here. What is it? Submission to God the Father. Seeking God's will, not our own. That's what it means to truly be human. but how often do we actually do that? I know you're just like me. No matter how hard you fake it, you're just as jacked up as me. How often do we actually do that? Like, I choose my will over God's will every single day. And I don't want to do that. Like Paul says, I do the very thing I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to give myself over to my will at the expense of God's will, but I do it every day. And don't you see, guys, listen to this. Sin disobeying God, sin. It violates what it means to actually be human. But the gospel, that God in his grace becomes a man. And not only does he live a perfect, sinless, fully human, fully submitted life in my place, but he dies the death that I deserve for my lack of submission to him. For the ways that I reject him when I, when I choose my way over his way. And not only that, but in the process, he shows us how to actually be human. How to swim the stroke. Because I clearly don't know. I'm the guy who's flailing like a dead fish trying to get across the pool. That's a picture of my life, by the way. You're just like me. You don't know how to do it either. None of us do. Look around. Read the news. The world is totally broken. Totally broken. 
murder, racism. Like, you just, I don't even want to go down the list because you know it's true. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. And things are not the way they're supposed to be. They're as broken as they are because each of us chooses my will over God's will. We reject what it means to actually be human because we'd rather play the role of God. I'd rather play the role of God. I'd rather have others submit to my will. But look where that's gotten humanity. Humans make really crappy gods. They really do. When a human says, my will be done, it never goes well because of the sin problem that we have, right? If you don't believe me, look around. Look what happens when people get their way. When it's their will be done. So what I want you to see here is I want you to see that Jesus shows us the key to living a fully human life. Submission to God. Um, one of the things that I feel like has happened in my life as I get older <clears throat> is I start to kind of learn more about myself. It's kind of a trip. Like I discover things about me that I'm like, well, how, how did I not know this you know, a long time ago? But I, I learn more about myself. And one of the things that I've learned is that I actually enjoy adventure. Like I enjoy, like whether it's like exploring or traveling or like essentially like the slightly unsafe nature of not knowing what will happen. Like adventure. And what's funny about that is that like, not so much funny, what's weird about that is I used to hate it. I used to want to control every element of my life because I wanted to be comfortable. Like more than anything in life, I, I wanted to be comfortable. An adventure got in the way of that. Not knowing what was going to happen got in the way of me feeling comfortable and in control of things. And I was praying for our time this morning, and I felt like the Spirit said, that's some of you, like right now in this season of your life, that what you want more than anything is to be comfortable. Um, did you guys ever read those books when you were a kid, the Choose Your Own Adventure book? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Heather Berga, Yeah. Yeah, cool. Some of you. Any of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Be honest. Okay, so choose your own adventure book. <clears throat> so this is the way they work. You open a book, you start reading, and essentially you take on the, the, the role of the character in the story. And it'll say something like, okay, you know, do you, wanna, do you want your adventure to start? Um, do you want to head towards the mountains? Or do you want to head towards the beach? If you want to head towards the mountains, turn to page 22. And you'd turn to page 22, and it would say, like, uh, do you want, you know, if you wanted to choose the beach, you'd, you know, you'd turn to page 65. And then it would say something like, okay, on your adventure, you know, you're, you're running short on food. Uh, do you want to stop, like, maybe like Oregon Trail, you guys from Oregon Trail. Do you want to stop and hunt for food? Or do you want to just kind of press on and hope that you come to a village or whatever, right? And if you want to, if you want to stop and hunt for food, turn to page 45. And if you, want to, if you want to keep moving to the next town, turn to page 7. And you'd hop around the book, and you'd basically choose your own adventure, you guys understand what I'm saying? That don't know? Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Here's the thing. I'm convinced that every person was created to live out an adventure. And the essence of adventure, like to a certain degree, is that it's unpredictable. Like the story, it, it, it unfolds as it goes. It, it, it's a narrative that plays out in real time. There's an element of unpredictability. I'm not the only one who believes this. Um, the Apostle Paul, he wrote about it in Ephesians chapter 2 here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, For we, the followers of Jesus, for we are his workmanship. Listen to this. Created in Christ Jesus for what? What does it say? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound a whole lot like John chapter 5 that we just read? That Jesus, the Father had these, these, these works for Jesus to accomplish and that Jesus submitted perfectly to his will. The will were the works that he prepared in advance for him to do. Does it sound the same? It does. So my friend, hear me say this. Almighty God is the author of your story. But you get to choose your own adventure. You get to choose. 
God's story for your life is an adventure of good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. An adventure of submitting to and accomplishing his will, his desires, what he's setting out to do. It's an adventure of saying yes to God. Um, I was thinking about this week and I was honestly contemplating about, this is going to sound corny. If you're new with us, I'm kind of a dorky person, but either way, I just love our church. I love you guys so much. Like it, if, I, if I think, like my, my times in the morning with Jesus, especially in this season, is the most overwhelmingly, the thing that brings me the most overwhelming gratitude aside from the cross is you. I love you. Like I deeply care about you. I'm so grateful to be part of this community. I'm so grateful to know you and be known by you. And I was thinking about just like how much I love you and how my family and I, we wouldn't be here if we didn't say yes to God. Like I wouldn't, chances are I wouldn't know most of you. And one of the greatest blessings that, he ever, that he's ever given me, you, a relationship with you, I, I wouldn't have had had we not said yes. I would have moved to like New York City. Straight up. I was battling with God. When he, when he told us to plant for the third time, I was like, okay, Brooklyn, here we come. Let's do this. New York City, greatest city in the world. Let's conquer it for the name of Jesus. And then God said, go home. And I said, no. <laughs> and then he said, go home. And then we said, yes. And it's been the best because of you and because of Jesus and what he does. But I was thinking about this, all these, just thinking about the, 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 my life story and how like God intervened in my life. And it's been this series of struggling to say yes to him in imperfect ways, but the greatest source of blessing in my entire life is when I say yes to him. Saying yes is not always comfortable. It's not always what you want in the moment. It surely wasn't for Jesus. Saying yes to the Father, the works that the Father had for Jesus to lay his life down for me in such a spectacularly gruesome way was not comfortable for him. But saying yes to God, listen to me, it always results in something. It always results in the kingdom of God coming. And God's agenda, in case you didn't know, is to redeem and restore all things through his grace and his love. And how did he prove that? How did he display that? On the cross. Far too often, far too often, the choices we make are not in submission to God, though. We've talked about this. Knowing all this as a Christian, I still, the choices I make are not in submission to God. Far too often, we reject God's story for our lives. We say no instead of saying yes. Here's my question to you in love. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you, specifically in your life? How do you say no? Are you submitting to God's adventure for your life? Like, are you walking in it? <clears throat> are you in the middle of the book going, okay, page 65 or page 27, which is it going to be? Like, are you in the middle of God's great adventure for your life? Are you saying yes to him? Or are you swimming the stroke your own way? Maybe modeling after other people. Maybe doing what feels good or natural. I'll close with this. I'll call the band up. I'm almost done, guys. Cool. So we started out talking about expression, right? Not just what we do, but how we do it. <clears throat> how do you express yourself? Ask you the question again. How do you do it? What does it look like for you? You are a unique creation. Every single one of us created in the image of God with eternal value. How do you express yourself? Specifically, if you're a Christian, you follow Jesus, <clears throat> how are you expressing your Christianity? Remember, it's not just what you do, it's also how you do it. 
I know I've asked, I've asked you a lot of questions this morning, but here, here's my big question, okay? If you haven't listened to anything I've said, listen to this. My question is, are you, are you living as a submitted disciple? Or are there areas in your life where you're choosing your will over God's will? I promise you it's not as sweet. Are there areas in your life where you're choosing your will over God's? Maybe it's areas of your sexuality. This belongs to me. I determine this, how it looks, how it operates. Maybe it's your marriage, if you're married. Are you a submitted disciple in the area of your marriage? Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's, how, maybe it's something as simple as how you actually use your time. My will or God's will? Are you living the adventure that God has for you, my friend? Listen, if you're not, if you're like me and you've lived a rather imperfect life, just allow me for a moment to point you to Jesus. Allow the Spirit of God to comfort you and minister to you this morning. If you have your life figured out, this isn't for you. It's laughable, but I spent almost two decades of my life thinking I had it figured out, and I was flailing. Allow me to point you to Jesus, who shows us what it means to be truly human. Let me read to you one more verse, and I'll get out of here, okay? Second Peter, first chapter, third verse. His divine power, talking about Jesus. And remember, what's power? No one has power like Jesus because only Jesus can submit to the will of the Father perfectly. He can deny himself perfectly. That's power. His divine power, submission to God's will, right, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Talking about Jesus is in this series. Jesus is. Like, we want to examine Jesus. What is he? Friends, Jesus is the submitted Savior who submitted to the God to the, he submitted to God the Father perfectly. And he offers to cover your imperfect submission with his perfect obedience. He offers to cover your, your imperfect submission with his perfect submission. You see this? with his divine power, with his glory and goodness. And what's the writer of Hebrews? Or I'm sorry, this is 2 Peter. 2 Peter, the writer says, and that's everything we need. That's everything that we need to start living God's adventure for our life today. There's no more condemnation because the grace and the love and the blood of Jesus covers you if you receive it. And that frees you to walk in God's great adventure for you of submitting and surrendering and obeying and enjoying him in every single area of your life. And there's a sweetness associated with that that nothing in all of creation can touch. Are you living his adventure for your life? If not, do you want to? Because hear me say this. If I know anything through my life experience, It's that the story that he's written for your life is exponentially far greater than any story that you could write for yours. Because in the story that he's written for your life, you get him. Let me pray for us. Will you stand if you're able? I'm just going to listen to the Spirit for just a minute, okay? Bear with me before I pray. We want to follow the Lord today.
God, thank you that you're already beginning to put things on people's hearts of the areas that you want to free them to live your adventure for their life of enjoying you and obeying you and operating like you. Your will. Uh, I feel like there are some of us in the room who uh, we have like a desire to actually actually experience, like to actually taste God in deeper ways. And I feel I feel like the Spirit wants you to know that, that he, he, you live in this place for a reason because there are pockets of the family of God scattered throughout this place. And I feel like he wants you to know that you can. He, he desires for you to experience more of him in deeper ways, to taste him in deeper ways, but it's gonna happen through being with people who love him and love you. You're actually gonna experience him through I want to pray for some of us this morning. I want to pray that. I also want to pray um, I also want to pray peace over the room. Father, thank you for your grace that covers us. Um, Jesus, thank you that you um, you don't just like accomplish the will of the Father in a very like, I don't know, kind of like boring way. <laughs> Um, but it's so passionate and it's so personal for each of your children, God. And I pray and I ask you, Holy Spirit, now that you would um, that you would show each of us the personal, passionate love of the Father through the ways that you want to free us up from living our will for our lives, because our will for our lives is ultimately influenced by the sin that wants to rob us of the joy of what, of what life actually is absence of sin, the absence of death. So Spirit, would you, would, you, um, would you guide us each this morning? Would you help us to experience the freedom that we have in you? The freedom available to us? To not care what people think about us? To not seek the approval of man because we already have the approval of God? Let that influence everything that we say, everything that we do, how we behave, how we praise you, how we interact with our neighbor, how we love our brother and sister in Christ, all of it. We want you to be the Lord of every area of our lives. So would you lead us this morning and how you want us to respond practically? I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us first.